This program is brought to you by Bible Way Media, a work of the Ulaga Church of Christ. Hello, ladies. I thought we would take a look at 1 Corinthians 15, 58, which is one of my favorite passages, and I have a grandson that's quite fond of it, too. It states, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for ye know that your labor is not in vain. When I read this passage, I felt like maybe I needed to take a deeper look at the context. So I looked back to the preceding verse found in 1 Corinthians 15:57, which states, But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. We are to be strong and mighty, growing in Christ always, and be ever mindful and grateful of the grace of God who gives us victory over the sins of this world when we remain faithful to our Lord Jesus. It is by His blood that He shed, His sinless life, that He willingly gave for all of mankind, for all time, that we can have that victory. That's kind of hard for us to fathom, but the Apostle Paul by inspiration explains this very scripture. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth His love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more then, being now justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. For if when we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more, being reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. Romans 5, 7-10 Oh, well you might say, I would give my life for my child, my husband, my parent or sibling. And you know what? I have said that too. We might very well do that. And that is a very loving and self-sacrificing, generous thing to do, isn't it? Soldiers often do the same for their fellow soldiers. The scriptures tell us that scarcely for a righteous man will one die, and for a good man some would dare to die. There are those among us who have that kind of virtuous spirit. Ask them to die, not just for a fellow soldier, but for one who murdered their loved one, or violated their child, or perverted the mind of a family member. That's a little bit different, isn't it? We get pretty fierce when we start thinking of the atrocities that happen to others. Now follow with me. That incorporates all of the evil people in every society that you would be willing to give up your life for. See, that is a whole different story. Especially if you know that they're going to turn around and deny you, pervert the truth, try to make disciples of those around you, and, <clears throat> excuse me, and try to disassociate you from your father. The picture grows darker and dimmer, doesn't it? It seems almost hopeless, and so it would be if that were the whole picture. But Jesus Christ did what no man could ever do for you, ladies, for me, for the whole world forever. He left us all an open door, a means of escape from the sinfulness of this fleshly world and the atrocities that we often create for ourselves. So what must we do as daughters of the Most High and Holy Father? Okay, there are three parts to 1 Corinthians 15:57 that I can see. Now, you may see more, but this is what I am seeing. First, our work must be the work of the Lord, 
Christ's work, not ours. It must first be doctrinal, straight from the Bible. He is to be the center and its end. We do it for Him and by His authority. Wise and faithful women of God will recognize this and toil with love and purpose for their own soul first by educating it and also the souls of those they come in contact with. If we have no value for our own soul, to feed it, to nurture it with that which gives us growth, which is the Word of God, we are powerless to help the soul of another. Romans 1, 16a For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. If we ever reach a point where our secular jobs, money, a position, things of this world that mean more to us than they should, another person we love, anything that would detract us from our soul's salvation and place those things or people above the Savior, we are in jeopardy. It is best stated if we simply say, all of our work must be the work of the Lord, that which He would approve of. Secondly, the word I see is abounding. Now that involves going above and beyond. We're not just engaged in the work of the Lord, but rather we're going the extra mile. Nothing of ourselves can be left outside of this work of the Lord if we are abounding. We will use every talent, every ability toward this goal. If you're in the workforce, your qualifications, your skills must meet a certain criteria. It's the same for Christians. It is a command to abound in the Lord's work. We must study, serve, pray, be helping and teaching others as we go, using our talents that the Lord has given us to increase the kingdom of God. We were designed to be abundant with the blessings we've been given. 1 Peter 1.3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy hath begotten us again into a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Just as God's mercy and salvation has been extended to us through Christ, we need to return our abundant service to Him by doing the works He has commanded us to do in the way He has told us to do it in His book. <clears throat> we must love a lot to do much. Love provokes us to good works. 2 Timothy 3.17 That man or woman of God, that the man or woman of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Verse 15 through 16 of this chapter affirms that this process of acquiring that perfection in Christ comes from studying His Holy Word that we've been given. Now our last and final word is always. The Christian life is not a once-in-a-while decision. It's not like your clothing that you put off and take on. You put it on when you take the Lord on, and it stays if you're going to be faithful. When we make that great confession that Christ will be our Lord, it's a lifetime commitment. We don't get to pick and choose because we're tired or had a bad day, nothing's going our way, a lot of grief, a lot of sorrow, a lot of heavy things that weigh us down. Think back to our brothers and sisters of the first century after the church was established. Read of Paul's horrific persecutions. Look at James as he describes the great scattering of Christians as they gave up their homes, their jobs, all that they owned, and sometimes many of their family members. But to what end? They went forth with the truth. Always, every time, under every circumstance, even unto death. Revelation 2.10 Jesus told us He would be with us always in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. 
And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given to me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Now the real question is, will we be with Him always? And why do we do this? Back to our original verse in 1 Corinthians there. For ye know that your labor is not in vain. We can know, ladies. We don't have to wonder. There's a glorious place that awaits us, an eternal home with our Lord, if we stand strong, study hard, and labor abundantly. I thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed this program. We encourage you to subscribe to our podcast on Pandora, Spotify, or Podbean. Thanks for listening.